You're listening to this Choir Nerd podcast, where I blabber on about music things, mostly. I'm your host, Mark Davin. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Doug Fullington and Scott Kovacs about the ins and outs of the professional choral world. It was my first attempt at facilitating a conversation for a podcast, and I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Oftentimes I kept wishing we had more time to explore certain issues a little further in depth. In any case, I hope you found our conversation useful. I hope to have more candid discussions like that in the future. I'd like to switch gears for this episode and talk about the kinds of voices I like. Most of my work is in Renaissance polyphony, so you may not be surprised that all of these examples are from early music. I think it's the most vocally demanding repertoire to sing. Some might think that these voices are only suited for early music singing. I actually think these voices would be perfect for all kinds of choral singing. Early music voices are bright, especially in comparison to the American choral sound, which to me is a little darker and a little more dull than the sound most English choirs make. The most important part to get right is the soprano part, which is where I'll start. The soprano part, being the easiest part to hear, needs to be sung perfectly. It's the part the ear is first drawn to, and the easiest part to criticize. So in all choirs, it's crucial to get this part as perfect as possible. So, let's hear an example of really good soprano singing. This is the opening to Talus's In Manus Tuos, sung by the Talus scholars. It's two voices on a part. The soprano part here is very unified, or some may say blended. A few words about that term blend. Some of you might know that I don't really like this term, and it's because when directors say, hey you there, blend with each other, the method of achieving this blend is often done through focusing on matching vowels and singing quieter. It might be where this classic American dark sound comes from. This term blend has nearly nothing to do with matching vowels and volume and all to do with matching pitch. It's like 95% about matching pitch and 5% about vowel and volume. If you want to read up more about this theory of mine, Um, go ahead and check out my blog post about it. It's called Choral Blend, A Better Way to Get It. 
So when approached with a blend problem, instead of saying, hey, blend with each other, it would be more accurate to say, hey, sing the same note. So instead of using the word blend, I've been trying to coin the term unified instead. Just another way of saying, sing the same note. It definitely feels a little pretentious at first, but I hope that will fade, especially if I can get some of you to use it too. Okay, back to the audio. You'll hear that the soprano part is very well unified, but what makes this bit absolutely stunning is what happens, for example, at the word spiritus. Let's hear it again and listen to what the soprano sound does when it gets to that word spiritus as it descends. The sopranos bring out this line by getting louder, but more impressive than that, getting more focused. Did you hear that? The tone gets brighter, more pingy, and it is more than just getting louder. These sopranos are working in more overtones in order to bring out that part in this five-part texture. Once your ear is used to this kind of thing, you'll notice that it happens everywhere in this phrase. And who are these sopranos? I believe they are Deborah Roberts and Tessa Bonner, the best pair of sopranos I have ever heard. Let's hear it one more time, the whole phrase. Okay, let's move on to the tenors. Tenors are a rare breed. It's really difficult finding real tenors. There are a million baritones around, but not very many tenors. A true tenor needs to hit F, G, above middle C with ease. There should be some easy power in that range, and that sound should be both free of strain, but also not so light, it sounds like an alto. Let's hear some first-rate solo singing by the Tavern Choir. Listen for the tenor and soprano parts.
This amazing clip is from Thomas Tallis's Gaudi Gloriosa. The tenor that first enters is the one and only Charles Daniels. He has the most unique sounding tenor voice I've ever heard. His voice sticks out in a crowd in a very, very good way. I'm most impressed with how much focus he can bring to every vowel. His high notes are both easy and powerful. That soprano is Tessa Bonner, and she is fantastic. There is more sound per square inch in her voice, and she gets so pingy. The ease in her production, meaning that she can initiate a focused sound at very low volumes, and her ability to use her vocal facility to cut through with her ping and carefully shape each line is world class. She might be the best soprano I've ever heard. The second tenor that comes in is, I believe, Rufus Muir. He also has an amazing ease and focus to his voice. Maybe his high notes sound a little easier than Charles, if that's even possible. Still, two really great tenors. Let's move on to altos. Here's a clip from the Taverner Choir's recording of Talus's Lamentations 2. Listen to this opening duet. That was Charles Daniels and Caroline Trevor. Just so good. Caroline's voice is just as unique as Charles. I've made a joke before that Caroline's voice sounds like a kazoo stuck in a paper bag. And I mean that in the best possible way. I love her voice. It sounds otherworldly. It has incredible focus, but also a bit of warmth. Like what would happen if you mated a viola and a trumpet. Notice how her voice sounds even throughout her range. There is equal focus throughout. Many singers sound breathy down low, but then reach some area of focus in their mid to upper range. Caroline's voice is perfectly even. And Charles Daniels. Well, I've already talked about how wonderful his voice is, but listen to how incredibly cleanly he moves from note to note. It sounds freaking auto-tuned. Also, when they meet and go up in thirds, here, they move up in parallel thirds, end the phrase, and start the next one all perfectly together. Let's skip forward a bit and listen to some Baroque music. 
Here is another Taverner Consort recording. It's De Torrente by Handel, featuring Jill Feldman on top and Emily Van Evra singing alto. There's some seriously beautiful singing going on here. The top voice is marvelous, but the lower part here has a phenomenal amount of tone and focus. Here she is. In this style of music, there are many stylistic decisions at play. When to use vibrato, when to let your voice cut through the texture, how to articulate. Here's another moment where Emily's demanding to be heard through the texture. I will post a link of all these recordings in case you want to purchase them and listen to them free of interruption. Um, they're great CDs. Now let's talk basses. In Renaissance polyphony and in most choral music, the general rule is the more bass the better. One way of achieving this is by finding basses that can sing incredibly low notes. Sure, if you have a bass that can sing a low, low C or A, then the G on the bottom bass clef line will sound loud, like a mofo. But while we love our beastly low notes, we need to make sure the higher notes are covered also, as basses sometimes have to go above a middle C. Basses whose voices are set low usually can't hit the higher notes, so the ideal bass should have a sweet spot around G the bottom line of the bass clef. My favorite bass at the moment is Robert MacDonald. Here's a clip from Thomas Tallis's In Ye Union, sung by the British early music group LME Ray.
wasn't convincing enough to show you how much of a stud this dude is. Check this out. Robert McDonald's voice is bright and buzzy. Having a bright bass sound is really important for keeping everything clear down in the basement. Low notes in anyone's range tend to sound woofy or too dark, which doesn't carry nearly as well as a bright sound. It's incredible hearing him live. It sounds like the room amplifies his bassiness, and his voice has a way of sounding richer the lower he goes. It's unreal. Finally, male altos or countertenors. These are men singing in the alto range, using their falsetto, head voice, or some mixture of the two. Not everyone likes the countertenor sound. Sometimes it can sound strained, breathy, or too foreign, or just weird. Another complaint is that countertenors tend to have a limited range. When they go too low, there is an audible gear shift into their chest voice, and they often can't sing much higher than the C above middle C. Some can, but I think they call themselves male sopranos. There are some groups that use male sopranos. The one that comes to mind is the group Chanticleer, an all-male group. I'm not totally sold on male sopranos. I don't think I've ever heard one yet that I think sounds better than a female soprano. So, back to the countertenor. Their range might be small, but that range is super useful. The countertenor is louder in a part of the range where most other altos are quiet, which is about middle C to about an A. Pairing a countertenor with a female alto gives you a very even and present alto line that covers the entire range. One of my favorite countertenors is Patrick Craig. He has a very bright and full-bodied sound that can cut through anything. When Patrick's on your team, you'll never lose. He will always be heard. Here's Patrick singing in a solo section from the Talus Scholar's recording of William Byrd's Nunc Dimittis.
Well, thanks so much for tuning in. Let me know what you think of these voices I've featured today on my Facebook or Twitter page, and feel free to share my podcast around. Until next time.